This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Hello, hello. This is some bonus material for your ears only, you amazing guys who support my podcast. Um, so a bit of context for this one. You're not really going to get this episode unless you have watched Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. It is the most gorgeous show. It is a documentary about uh, Australian adults, young adults, um, kind of new adults, you know, like from like 20 to maybe 20. 30, 20 to 30, who are on the autism spectrum and who are looking for love. And they, it's just the most gorgeous, gentle, respectful show. And I love it. There's two seasons of it on Netflix and you have to check it out. One of the heroes of the show is Michael. Michael, Michael Thomas, I think is his, is his name on Instagram. And I fell in love with him on the show. I think he is a genius. And I contacted him to come on the podcast and he is We've done. I've done an episode with him, but because you are bonus members, you get half the episode before anybody else. So here is Michael Thomas. Please, 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 if you have not watched the show, watch the show first. It gives such a context for Michael. Um, and it is really, really gorgeous. And a couple of people have messaged me saying like, oh, I have a child on the autism spectrum and I'm afraid to watch it in case it's, it's like it's not. There's nothing to be afraid of. This will give you hope and joy. And these are amazing adults on the autism spectrum like me and like many other people. And there's nothing to be afraid of. It is a gorgeous show and I highly recommend it. So if you have watched it, here's Michael. And if you haven't, go and watch it and then come back and listen to Michael. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Bye. Hi, Michael. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? I'm not too bad. Is it very late where you are or very early? No, it's actually... um. Like five minutes till um, five here. Five minutes to five p.m. No, no, I mean five minutes till eight p.m. I meant. Okay, five minutes till eight p.m. on Friday evening. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you're in the future. It's really nice to meet you. I'm so excited to meet you. Likewise, you must be Stephanie Preisner. Preisner, yes. Yeah, I've heard that you really like um, you've like you like German things. Or like things about Germany. Yeah. yeah. So Yes, I do. Yeah. So my name actually originally had a Scharfes S. You know the German Scharfes S, which looks like a capital B. Oh. Um, but no. they've so back in, back a few years ago, um, the Goethe Institute are they're the institute that moderate the German language. They took out this thing which was in the German alphabet, which was called a Scharfes S, which is when there would be a double S in a word. Um I see. But now they've kind of anglicised it because of keyboards and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I just thought you might like that little fact about Germany. So, um, people may know you from Love on the Spectrum. and uh, Which was, for people who haven't seen it, a Netflix documentary, would you call it a documentary? Um, Yeah. Do you want to explain what it was? Uh, It's basically a documentary about people on the autism spectrum and their experiences with dating, relationships, basically. Yeah, that, and it was absolutely fascinating. And you were in two series of it. Um, yeah, it was. So um, you have, you have how, how do you identify, uh, you're on the autistic spectrum? Actually, I have Asperger's. Asperger's, which is, is that different to being on the autistic spectrum? Yeah, it's a milder form of autism. Okay, great. And at, at what at what age were you were you diagnosed? 
five, according to my mother. And do you remember any of that process? I don't remember any of it. Okay. And uh, how do you feel like your uh, your Asperger's uh, manifests for you or, or presents? Well, sometimes it can be hard for me to maintain friendships. Yeah. As I sometimes seem to be the only one who puts in any work. That can be really difficult, can't it? It can be, yeah. Um, I find I I'm I I've been recently diagnosed as autistic. Um, and my under oh. my understanding is that Asperger's syndrome is a milder form of autism, but because I was diagnosed on the DSM five, it's not really um separated anymore. But I think um I think if I had been diagnosed under the DSM four model, then I would also be would also have Asperger's but it's just called autism in general now. And I can find I, I can find friendships difficult to maintain as well because sometimes people think that I'm a little bit too intense or um uh or maybe too controlling because I don't really like surprises. Um and oh. yeah, sometimes people are just a little bit of an enigma where I don't really understand what they're thinking. Yeah, I can agree with that. Tell me about um, some of your other special interests. I heard you say on Love on the Spectrum that you are a Germanophile. Yeah. And, and an Anglophile. Yes. And I'm also an Italophile as well. So what's that? Italy? Yes, Italy. So tell me some, some of your favourite facts about Italy. Well, I've heard, somebody once told me that they're very family oriented. It's about family and food over there. Yeah, I they, think that is they true. Love, they love their family and friends more than anything. And their cuisine is to die for. Would it be your favorite cuisine? It would be, yes. I don't really do aside, well. Go on. Aside from German cuisine as well. What have you had from German cuisine? Um, pork knuckle, sauerkraut, um, Weisswurst, Bratwurst, and Kranskis. What are Kranskis? I've never heard of them. Uh, Kranskis are a type of German sausage. Oh, right. I just call everything Wurst. Hope for the best. I see. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, In I do, I have some Italian friends and they do have these huge families and... Uh, you know, like if one of them gets married, every single person in the entire extended family comes and they all like eat together and they eat like enormous amounts of courses in each of their meals. But apparently they also live the longest. So there must be something positive in it. I guess. <laughs> um. So tell me about um how school, how school was, was for you. Well, in pro- I don't have a, don't quite remember what it was like back in preschool, but in um in primary school, I for my first couple of early years, I often sat alone during the breaks, but it's because I liked it that way. But it was a bit of a concern for my mother because she wanted me to socialize with the other kids and make friends, but I just quite didn't feel really prepared for it. But as time went on, I started to socialize with the other kids more and even and, and continues to do so while I was in high school 
but I still sometimes sat alone as well. And was that because it was preference? Like it was kind of like too loud and too unpredictable to sit with other people or just maybe that they didn't want to sit with you? It was basically just preference. Yeah. It can be kind of... Um, I find it difficult even now to sit with groups of friends. I like to meet my friends one one at a time because it's difficult to kind of keep track of conversations and everything if there's a lot of people at a table. Yeah, I would agree with that. And how did you find the academic side of things? What were your what were your subjects that you excelled at? Actually, I never enjoyed any of the academic learning at all. Oh no! And uh, how how did was that just because it was the way that it was taught, or just you found it all a bit tedious? Just found it tedious. So, would you have had interests of your own at home that you would have followed? Yep, definitely. There's railways. Animals, acting, and nature, spirituality. I'm I'm a huge fan of Thomas the Tank Engine, of course, because I absolutely love that. I love animation. I love researching about actors, actresses, animals. Uh, I trained as an actor. Have you ever done any like uh, improv or anything? I haven't really done a lot of improv. I only know a little bit about it. I think you think you might enjoy um, improvisation. It can be quite. Um, you just don't have time to think. It's just quite literal. You just have to like go with <laughs> go go with what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, I trained as an actor. I found it a little bit. Um, I found it actually quite easy because sometimes as an uh, as an autistic person or someone with Asperger's you kind of have to um, or I found that I used to mask a lot you know just kind of pretend to fit in in ways that I didn't really understand and that kind of helped me to, to become a pretty good actor I see sounds really impressive I mean yeah but it also can like lead to some mental health problems as I'm sure you can understand by just like pretending to not be yourself all the time um, yeah what kind of socialising do you like to do basically spending time with friends by you know socialising with them eating out going to restaurants or going to the cinemas or going for drives with them or even just hang out with them at their place I saw on Love on Spectrum that you like um, you like formality. So you like to like wear suits and all of that. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, of course. I'll explain why, why I love that. After many years growing up watching your father wear the same clothes to work every day, it kind of grows on you. <laughs> so your dad wore a suit to work? Yeah. He used to wear a tie as well, but eventually he stopped wearing them because it made... He felt like he was being choked. Yeah, okay, I can understand that feeling. We have to wear a tie. We had to wear a tie to school every day, which I wasn't really a fan of. Ah. Yeah. Wait, do all do all British schools require their students to wear ties? So I live in Ireland, which is which is not part of the United Kingdom. It's not Britain. No, it's not. But our, no, it's not. But our school uniform, yeah, pretty much every school that has a school uniform in Ireland um, would consist of a, a pair of tights. I don't know, like in America, they call them pantyhose. I don't know what you guys call them in Australia. Um, like socks that go up to your waist. And then uh, a skirt, a shirt, 
a woolly jumper and a necktie. And in junior school as well, you have to wear them. But in junior school, they're they're made with an elastic. So you just put the elastic under your shirt and then the tie sticks down. But in senior school, it's a proper tie that you have to learn how to tie. It's quite strange, actually. I've never thought about it before. <laughs> that sounds pretty restrictive. Yeah. And quite hot when it gets warm and totally unnecessary. Like it serves no purpose except aesthetics. Yikes. Yeah. What's the school yeah. uniform like over there? It's actually not too bad. As far as I recall, I I would wear um a a white green shirt in in high school, just a plain um light green shirt with a school logo on the on the shirt pockets, and then a pair of school shorts or school trousers then we had to wear black shoes with completely white socks oh wow that that was the uniform difficult i find it difficult to keep socks white i always seem to put them in a wash with some other color and then they always end up coming out pink or blue (laughs) um that was a smart idea i have been to brisbane twice and i know that you're in australia what part of what are your favorite things about australia um i would say their flora and fauna as in you know, the animals and vegetation. Yes, that's right. Tell me about the animals. I saw a kangaroo once. I was actually quite intimidated. Um, did it have like, was it like reddish in colour? It was more grey. Grey. Not too sure what that what, what kind that kangaroo is. But the one that has the brownish type of fur, that's called a red kangaroo. Yeah, actually. That's a- yeah, go on. The red kangaroo and the emu are the two national animals of Australia. And are they are they dangerous? Do they roam around wild? Um, I'm not sure because where I live, we don't get animals like them around here. Where do you live? I live in a coastal region called the Illawarra, and the suburb I live in is called Wollongong. So that is in Queensland. No, that's actually in New South Wales. New South Wales. Oh, I was getting it mixed up with Toowoomba, which I think is in Queensland near Brisbane. Um, yeah. So what is an emu? An emu is a flightless bird. It's similar to an ostrich, but it doesn't have any wings. It just has a body where it looks like it's just a lot of long furs. If it doesn't have wings, how 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 is it a bird? Because it has a beak and long long legs with talons. Okay, so it looks feet. like something from Jurassic Park. Not exactly. It looks very similar to an ostrich. Ah, okay. Right, okay. Yeah, I understand. Um so this episode that we're going to be doing, um we're going to be speaking to um uh, we, we've done an episode on autism and Asperger's in women and how it's a little bit different to Asperger's and autism in men. And we're going to have um, yeah. a doctor of psychology on um, and we're, we're going to be you're going to be part of this episode um, and talking about how your Asperger's syndrome, I guess, presents itself a little bit. And you've already said that you can find it challenging to to maintain friendships. Do you do you think that there yeah. are other things that are unique about you because of your Asperger's? Well, I 
tend to read body language very well, and I am also able to pick up certain things about people. I get certain vibes from people. And the other thing is I am also very insightful as well. Yeah, I noticed that on the show. Um, you do pick up things and you per- it's it's like you have like a, a superpower in perception. Um, I suppose. Yeah, which which is a blessing and a curse because sometimes it can be quite confusing because neurotypical people can often say things that they don't mean and behave in ways that are conflicting with how they're behaving. Yes, I know. Um, but also too, I feel more comfortable around women than I am with men. Yeah. Why do you think that is? It's because I've always resonated more with women. I've always been more comfortable around women. I always have. I think maybe they're like a little bit kinder, a little bit more less loud, a little bit more gentle. I don't know. The things that I... Yeah, those things. Yeah. And And I think... Because... Yeah. And because they're also something of an enigma. As in you kind of are interested in getting to understand them. Yeah. As much as I as no as much as I try my best, I'm never going to be able to completely understand women. And is that even though I you go on? Even though I keep trying. And is that something that sort of entices you, or is it a bit baffling? Probably both. Yeah. Have you had much success um, with trying to date, with trying to, like, find a partner? Nope, still no luck. But, I mean, it's all a journey. Yeah, go on. Although I am... Although I will let you know on something. Go on. This this is going to be off topic, but I could probably mention this. Of all the accents in the world, my favourite is English accents. What kind of accents? Like London or particular types of English? Probably London, I think. London's very like Harry Potter, you know? Like, oh. all right, governor, you know, like this. But then there's like Cockney London and then Leeds, yeah, which is a bit more rough. What what types of accents have you heard? Like, do you watch British television? Um, Some, some of it. Um, I most... Mostly seen Faulty Towers. Oh, Faulty Towers. They don't really show that so much over here anymore because apparently um, Basil Faulty is like racist too because some of the jokes are a bit racist towards, what's the name of the guy? Manuel. Oh. It hasn't aged very well, but I still think it's very funny. But but wait, um, he was actually, a, the character itself, himself was, uh, Manuel himself, was uh was Spanish, but the actor who played him, R.I.P. He was actually born in Germany. Right, just I didn't like not, you were, just like I was. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, well, now you do, and I will never forget. Um, but have do you watch? Do you like to watch television? Yes, I do. What are your favorite shows? I'll list them. Um. Three of them are actually from the 1960s. Go on. Mikhail's Navy, Gilligan's Island, I Dream of Genie. My three favourite animated shows are SpongeBob SquarePants, Thomas the Tank Engine, of course. Yeah. 
and Wacky Races. What's Wacky Races? Oh, that's a sh- an animated show from Hanna-Barbera. They were behind the Jetsons, the Flintstones. Yes. Do you like yeah. all of SpongeBob SquarePants or more of the earlier episodes? And have you seen the films? Just, just the first three seasons because that's like the golden era of, of SpongeBob. Yeah. Did you grow up watching SpongeBob? What age What age are you? I'm 27. Oh, wow. Okay. So you probably, that I, was like your childhood. Actually, I first started watching SpongeBob when I was 13. Oh, on like Nickelodeon or something? Nope. DVD. Oh wow! I'm one. Of, I'm like one of the one of the few people in the world that still uses a DVD player. I can't. I don't even think I can. Like, can you still buy DVD players, or do you have the original? Yes, of course. I still have it. The people are still able to get DVD players. And can you still buy new new movies on DVD? Yes, of course. I bet you have a really big collection. Do you? Actually, I only have a small collection of DVD, of of films. I'm actually more into television. Okay. And um, some of my more some of my favorite shows, other ones are actually more modern. There's The Big Bang Theory, Modern Family, Parks and Recreation, New Girl, Brooklyn Nine Nine, The Good Place, and also Forty Towers. I, I really like Modern Family, but I find sometimes when a series has too many seasons or episodes, I get overwhelmed and then I just, like, tap out. Oh, how come? I don't know. It's just, like, maybe it feels like too much of a commitment or, like, I've never watched The Sopranos and everyone keeps saying, you have to watch The Sopranos. It's amazing. But there's just too many there and I know that it's just going to be too much, so I, I don't. Yeah, but the thing is... um. Modern Family has 11 seasons, while The Simpsons, on the other hand, has about 34, I believe. Yes, and I love The Simpsons. And actually, on this podcast, we had the woman on... Do you remember the episode called um, One Fish, Two Fish, Blowfish, Bluefish, where Homer eats a bit of fugu, which is a poisonous fish? It's very early on. And then he goes, he's about to die. So he has to he has to go through the stages of grief. Do you remember that oh, episode that. at all? I'd never really watched that episode much. Okay, well, it's like very early on in the season. I think it's season two. And we had the yep. wom- we had the woman on who wrote that episode. She also created Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the original oh. the original one. Um, and she was telling us about the process of writing for The Simpsons. And um, oh. you get a lot of money for writing like just one episode, but it takes months. I see. Um, so that was just kind of interesting. Um. But I, I actually... Do you like documentaries? Um, Not as much. Did you watch Love on the Spectrum back? I did, yes. How was it to see yourself on screen? It felt kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, but did you, did you notice anything about yourself or were you surprised? Oh, not really. No. Did they... Although I... Go on. Although I did feel maybe somewhat embarrassed at times. About what? Maybe some stuff that I might have said. Like, well, I can't imagine anything. I like I've watched it a few times. I didn't think anything was embarrassing. What kind of stuff embarrasses you? <sighs> I can't remember. I thought you represented yourself so well, and I think you were like Thanks. a fan favorite. Have you had a lot of people recognizing you from the show? Yeah, 
in, a, in New South Wales, I have, yeah. And I keep getting messages from people on, on Instagram every day. Yeah. And I think you'll probably have more after this because I've got loads of people to watch the show and I've just tagged you on Instagram. So I think they'll probably all go yeah, and follow I, you. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you're everybody's favourite. Did did you, do you know any of the other contestants on the show? You mean participants? Participants, that's what I meant. I do know a few of them, but I don't really interact with them much. Yeah. They, like none of them live near you. No, no, they don't. Um, yeah, I think you were definitely people's favorite. And I also really think that your mom is amazing. I think she's Thank so, you. she's so brilliant and she's got such a great attitude. Um, do you, do you get on really well with your mom? I do. Yes. But the thing is, there are times where she can, you know, drive me a bit nuts. I think that's the same with everybody's mom. <laughs> Are you still, uh, yeah. <laughs> are you still living at home? Sorry? Are you do you live at home with your mum? Yep, still living with my, with my parents. That's most people I know, particularly in Ireland because we have a housing crisis, so people can't really like afford to move out of their parents' house because rent is so high and it's so difficult to buy a house. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's not ideal. How is the pandemic over there? New South Wales is doing better, but for for the past few months, we were in lockdown. What was that like? I hated it. What was the hardest part? Not seeing any of my friends. Oh, were you allowed to leave your house? Only for essential reasons or exercise. Okay. Do you think a lot of people abided by those rules? Yeah, but some, a lot of them were, but some positive cases were out in the community. But I hated that because I could, I consider the virus a, a danger to the public. Well, it is a huge public health risk, yes. Um, yeah. In Ireland, we're just about to open up everything again. Um, we were in lockdown for a long time when you guys in Australia had no cases and we had huge amounts of cases here. But now, like, over 90% of our population is vaccinated. Impressive. Yeah. How is your vaccination thing going? Um, It's picking up very well. I'm fully vaccinated now. How did you get on? Did you ha- What one did you have? Pfizer. Same as me. Did you have any side effects? No, all I felt was just just a little bit of soreness in the left bicep and that was it. And it lasted for just a day. Yeah. I just felt like I had been like lifting too many weights or something. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I like to lift weights sometimes. Um. So anything else you want us to know about you? Actually, there is some stuff. Go, tell me everything. Uh, okay. Um. Something you should know about me is I'm a pretty serious person. Serious as it as in not silly. Like you, yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm I'm just a very serious character. I always have been, and also because my dad is kind of a serious person as well. And so, does that mean that you don't like you you don't sort of pl- play games or be foolish? No. Yeah, but that's there's and nothing also, wrong with that. And I'm also very blunt. Mm-hmm. I like people to be that way. But a lot of people 
but some people have a problem with that because a lot of people just can't handle the truth. Yeah, what's that film? You can't handle the truth. And there's also another thing that I realized recently. Go on. Kind people are scarce these days, while selfish people are very common. That is very true. Kindness is rare, but it's beautiful. Exactly. And, and when it comes to relationships, this is what I like to tell people. If you ever find a partner in life, you should not only be loyal, but also grateful. Because if you end up losing a treasure as valuable as a woman, there's a chance that you might not be able to get it back. That's pretty profound, Michael. Because if you're, if you're with a woman, you're supposed to cherish her and love her every day. Do you feel if that a lot girl, of men don't do that? Sometimes, but that's for some cases. And if you ever have you ever heard of a, a man say to his partner, we'll talk about it later? Mm-hmm. When he says we'll talk about it later, do you know what he actually means? No. Generally, that's more of a man's way of saying, I don't want to talk about it ever and expects and expects it to never be brought up again. Why doesn't he just say that then? Because because men say one thing, but they mean a different thing. Do you do that? No, I just tend to be straightforward and to the point. I think that's something that women would appreciate because I think the mind games are very yeah, exhausting is, for know. women. Because sometimes, and actually not sometimes, I actually like lending a lending an ear to what a woman has to say. Yeah, like what kinds of things have you? Have, do women come to you with? Well, if they have something. If they, have, if they have a problem or need some advice or guidance, I'd be happy to listen and just offer some advice I can think of. And do you have friends who do that? Who 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 do that a lot? They don't really come to me for it. I just offer it. I think you'd be pretty good at giving advice. Let me see if there's anything that I could get your advice on. Oh, actually, I do have a situation. I have a situation. At, I have a situation at work. Where yeah. um, I have I have kind of I've been offered to do something and the I really want to do it. But the date that they've that the, the date that the thing is on, I, I'm not available because of a medical issue, but I don't want to disclose oh. the medical issue to the people. So how do I tell them I'm not available, but I would like to do it, but I can't without seeming like I'm lying or like being duplicitous what i'd probably do is um gently sit down with them and disclose the the medical condition in confidence and then try and and arrange to possibly um work around the date so you think that to disclose is the best thing to do maybe in confidence not publicly Okay, so just and, and ask for their confidence and hold it for them from like hold it in secret for me. Yeah. Yes. Just um just speak to your just speak to your employer in confidence, disclose the the medical condition to that person and only that person mm-hmm. and ask if and discuss maybe a solution to work around this problem. 
I think you give pretty very logical and reasonable advice. Do I think I think when this podcast comes out, people are going to say, I, I think I, I think Michael should like we should bring our problems to Michael and he should give us advice on, on like an agony uncle on how to yeah. like manage our problems. Would you be open to that? I would be. But the thing is, I don't know everything. Yeah, of course, nobody knows everything. But based on what you know. And and you know the limits of your knowledge, so you could say, "I can't, I can't help you with that." You know. Yeah, it depends on what the, on what the subject is, because there are some things I might not be able to help people with. What do you think are your like? What do you think I would be very good at giving advice on this, and I would be terrible at giving advice on this? Well, probably relation relationships. You think you would be good? I think you have a lot of um very. You're almost like a philosopher. You have some very brilliant sentences there that you shared. Well, I a lot of my wisdom has come from my father. Okay. Because I spent my entire life listening to his principles. Mm-hmm. And practicing them in your affairs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And the other thing is, even though I have no experience in, in relationships, I... I've actually studied human behavior for a long time. Do you have any other tips for people? Yeah, I do. Share them with us. You should always spare spare at least 10 minutes or so with your partner and listen to what they have to say. It might be important. And tell your partner that you love them on a daily basis. That's something I would do. And also, never go to bed angry. Because when you wake up in the morning, the issue is just going to keep going on. And and giving your partner an ultimatum is never the answer to us to a problem. The best solution is to find is to find a solution that satisfies both the man and the woman. Because That way it makes it fair. It has to go both ways. And if you have a problem in your relationship, don't work through it alone. Work through it together. That's what a partnership is. A lot of people see marriage as just a piece of paper. That's called a marriage certificate. (laughs) Marriage is actually the spiritual and emotional bond between two souls agreeing to spend the rest of their lives together sharing their lives together. What could be more special than that? And that's what you're looking for. Like when you went on uh, Love on Spectrum, you want someone sort of like your mum and dad, someone to share. Like what kind of a partner do you think you would be? I would be a very, a very loyal and loyal, loving and incredibly devoted husband. I think you would be. And I think it'll happen too. Do you think it'll happen? Yeah, I am pretty confident that it will. I think it definitely will. And I think once pandemic is over and things open back up, I think yeah. the pandemic has not been good for people being able to date and um, find partners with each other. Yeah. But also the question is, who in this world would even want to date me? Loads of people, Michael. What a, what a crazy question. Why do you think they wouldn't want to date you? Because where I come from, 
Wollongong is is not an easy place to find love. Okay, but Wollongong is Wollongong is not the center of the universe, Michael. There are loads of places, yeah. and loads of people from all over the world have now seen you, have know about you. Yeah, and uh, you, you you've just said what kind of a partner you would be, and. You know, yeah. sometimes people sell themselves and it's quite subjective. But objectively speaking, yeah. you are very smart, you're intelligent, you're caring, you have great philosophical insight, you've had great role models in your parents. And I can't see why, I can't see why anybody, you know, I think you'd be the perfect partner for the perfect person. And I think you just have to, you know, wait and keep trying and, and, and know that yeah. you're going to have to have a few duds along the way before you meet the yeah. right person. And speaking of which, I've actually been single my whole life. Yeah, but your whole... Go on. I'm also a one-woman man. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna mate for life. You're into monogamy. Yeah. If I, if I was actually in England, I would have had a, a far better chance. Why do you think that is? Well, I apparently have a lot of fans over in, over in England. And I, I'm actually quite quite attracted to the idea of being with an English woman. Have you got any trips planned? Not at the moment, but England is one of, one of the countries on the top of my list to visit. You'd like to go to London? Yes, I would. Yeah, it's it's a lot of Irish people who will be listening. Like, we just can go to London for the weekend. It's very close and the flights are very... But very very cheap. I've I've often gone there. Just wow. decided on a Wednesday to go there on a Thursday, and then come back on a Thursday evening know. or a Friday because I work over there sometimes. But it's a very beautiful city. I think you should definitely come, and I bet you have loads of fans over there. But, yep, definitely. But then what, one thing I go on. Pardon? Well, sorry, I interrupted. You go. How do you feel about long distance relationships? <sighs> I'm not. I'm not keen because. A relationship is not a proper relationship without the physical affection. True. And believe and believe me, I'm very affectionate. I bet you are. So I did a long distance relationship for a few years and it is difficult. It's quite it takes a lot of energy and there's a lot of traveling and a lot of jet lag. Yikes. Yeah. But it's I think it works if you know it's gonna be temporary. It you can't connect with someone properly through a screen. That's true. But maybe if you met someone and you were together for a while and then they had to leave for a small period for work or some such, then then it's not this it's not too bad. But I think starting a relationship long distance is very difficult because you don't get that connection. Yeah. It would be, yes. So what other wisdom have you got for us? Also cherish the good times, but also Learn from the bad times. And if your if your partner wants to spend some time with their family or their circle of friends, let them do it. Because sometimes a girl needs girl time and a man needs guy time. Because if you're overprotective or overly attached to your partner, that's gonna put a heavy strain on the relationship. It definitely will. I think you're very right there. Sometimes it can get too possessive. Yep, very possessive. Um, did you ever see that Disney film, 
Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Did I? Yes. I love it. Who doesn't? And you remember um, Gaston, right? Yep. This is his idea of a marriage. Mm-hmm. A hunting, lo- hunting lodge. His latest kill, roasting on the fire. <laughs> Little wife massaging his feet. How very 1950s. And they, have, and they would have six or seven sons. Yeesh. Yeah, yeesh. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure very many women are queuing up to be with Gaston. Personally, if I if I had a choice, I'd be more keen on having a daughter. Why do you think that is? I've always been more drawn to the idea of having a daughter. I always have. Maybe it's the protective nature in you. Maybe, but also because I just never really quite picture myself having a son. I always picture myself having a little girl. Have you? Do you have any nieces or nephews or cousins that are small? Um, I only got cousins that are small. Yeah. And are, are do you like? Have you ever connected with like younger male cousins, or you just find little girls oh, easier really? as well to? Yeah. Well then. Yeah. I mean, I don't predict the future, but I'm pretty sure mm. even if you did have a son, you'd manage very well. Yeah, of course. But also, truth be told, I think I should probably share this with you. Go. If I if I had a daughter, I have. A, I would only choose a a very lovely English name. Like what? Rosamond. Say it again. Rosamond. It sounds like something from Shakespeare. No, as in Rosamond Pike, the actress. Oh, I thought you said Rosalind. Rosalind no, no, no. Pike. Yeah, she's my favourite British actress. What's she been in? She's been in Gone Girl, um, What We Did On Our Holiday. And she was also in Pride and Prejudice, Johnny English Reborn. Do you like those like uh, Pride and Prejudice period dramas? Uh, not quite. Yeah, no, me neither. Because I find the Victorian era too restrictive because women weren't allowed to do much of anything. No, except sit around in corsets and drink tea. Yeah. Oh, and she was also in Die Another Day, which is her film debut. Is that a Bond movie? It is. It's the only James Bond film that I've ever seen. The only one I've ever seen is this new one. Oh. Yeah. Are you going to see and- that? Uh, not exactly. Yeah, I didn't really love it. I've I've never really been into James Bond because I'm not really into action films. I'm more into comedy. Yeah. They're very broad and there's a lot of just shooting mm. and crashing and exploding things. Yeah. There's not much of a narrative to follow. And the other thing is, another important reason why, why I'm a fan of Rosamund Pike is because last year she voiced a character on Thomas the Tank Engine. In, in in a film or in the TV? No, no, no. In the television show, in an episode. Are they still making new Thomas the Tank episodes? No, the show ended. Oh, God. You seem really it's disappointed. Now been, it's now been replaced with a reboot. I'm sorry. You seem really sad. Um, well, I'm disappointed. But 
at least I can still watch that episode that Rossman Pike appeared in. It's called The Royal Engine. And the character she voiced is a British steam engine called Duchess. Duchess of Loughborough. Wow. It's like all of your favourite things in one. Yeah. And when was that episode aired? Last year. That was actually for the 75th anniversary of the of the franchise. And do you just like Thomas the Tank Engine, the TV show? Or do you also have like collectibles and all of the franchise? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely have collectibles of them. Is that Have you had that since you were a child? That has a special interest? Yeah, I have. I have I have a, a, t- a quite a collection in in my closet, but I'm planning to sell them. Just to make some money, or just because they're cluttering your closet? Well, to make a bit of money, and also because they're also unwanted goods. Yes. Okay. Pretty much most of them, except for one, Duchess. Oh wow, Rosamund Pike's character. You got it. Yes, I do. That's so cool. What's she dragging there behind her? Oh, this is a called a tender. It's where it's where the water and coal is stored. The water and coal that you need to make the engine run. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. Do they all have tenders? Some of them do. Some of them don't. The ones that don't have tenders, they call tank engines. Like they Thomas. carry their coal. Yeah, they carry their coal in a bunker at the end, and their tanks are stored in the engine as well. And are those engines like real in real life or are they just part, like, can you get tank engines and engines with tenders like operating? Actually, um, the characters were based on on certain steam engines from the British railways. Okay. But since since the 1940s and the 1950s, the diesel started appearing and then the steam engines began to, decreasing. And by 1968, all steam engines in on the British railways was abolished. Oh, wow. I wonder if there's like, I think there's probably museums. If you come to England, you could like go and see them there. Yeah, I believe there is. So what else do you think that people should know about you before we finish up, Michael? Um, also, hmm, I'm trying to think. Maybe there's a few things okay. that I'd like to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, you you didn't get a chance to ask me why I, why I love British cult. I mean German culture. Tell me why do you love German culture? It's because their cuisine is very meat based, and because a very close friend of mine, my best female friend, her name is Brianna. She lived in Germany for quite a while, and she invited me to stay with her for two weeks at her at her apartment in Berlin twice. Did you go? Of course I did, and I loved it. I've only been to Berlin once, and I was um, I went to a theatre festival there, and I noticed all of these little marks in the stones in the Jewish quarter. Did you see those? I don't recall that. It's basically this memorial to all the Jews that died in, in the World War II. Um, wait. Wait a second. That's, I think I know what that is. That's the, um, the memorial to the sake the murdered Jews of Europe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You did see that, did yeah. you? Yeah. I did, yes. It's amazing. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. What else did you like about Berlin? Um, the Berlin Wall seems pretty fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. And somebody once told me that 
German people are generally perceived as, as generally serious people in nature. Yes. And I actually have an appreciation for that since I'm pretty serious myself. Yeah. For a long time, I thought that the, the fact that I was very direct with people, the fact that I can seem a little bit curt in in my contact with people um, yeah. or the fact that I'm very punctual and I like rules and order. I thought yeah. it was because I'm German. Actually, it's because I'm yeah. autistic, but um, uh, they are I'm, traits that can go with the culture. And I'm also going to show you a little bit of proof that I actually support Germany. Oh, you've got the little flag. That's very cool. It's a desk, a desk flag, actually. Do you have any other flags? Oh, yes. This one. Ireland. That's the Italian flag. Oh, it looks orange. It looks orange in this light. That's it's actually red. Okay. And there's also this. The Union Jack. Obviously. And this? Europe. The European Union, to be exact. How do you feel? Finally. Oh, go for it. And finally, this one. LGBT. Pride flag. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. As proof that I as proof that I support that community. Well done. How do you feel about Thanks. Brexit? Seeing, seeing, seeing as you have the European Union flag and Britain, or and the Union uh, Jack. I'm sorry. Sorry, could you say that again? Do you have you? Do you know much about Brexit? The fact. Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. That's when um the Euro- That's when the United Kingdom withdrew from the European Union. But I have no idea why they decided to do it. Not many people do. Um, it was a decision, I think, based. I mean, I it's as an Irish person, it's quite political for me to get into it, so I won't get into it too much. But I think a yes, lot of, of it, a lot of it, was actually quite quite problematic and um, about Britain not being wanting to be part of Europe because it want it didn't like the borders and the access that it gave to people from like maybe Eastern Europe coming to to live there and the NHS. Oh. Um, but now they're having these huge problems. You might find it interesting. So a lot of yeah. European people, a lot of people went back to Europe um, and now they're having a petrol crisis where there's no petrol yeah. in any of the petrol stations because they don't have yeah. drivers to drive the trucks to Europe to get the petrol to bring it back. Um, Yikes. And a lot of other issues. But we have a land border in Ireland <laughs> with the UK because they still own six counties in the north of our country so it's a bit uh, political over here um, and we really I wish th- that they didn't leave and speaking of which I have no idea why why Northern Ireland is even part of the UK because Ireland itself is actually a part of Europe yeah so this is like a really um, <laughs> so like a hundred years ago there was two guys and uh, so basically a hundred years ago Britain owned Ireland so they came over here well, actually, eight hundred years ago they came over here. No, four eight hundred years, oh. so nine hundred years ago they came over here. They stopped us talking, speaking in Irish. They enforced English. You know, they just basically occupied us the way they did. Britain took over yeah. Australia as well. Um, and mm. then there was a civil war, and they, they there was a civil war, and there was two guys called Eamon and uh, and actually Michael was his name and they oh. were fighting to get the country back and Michael went over to uh, Michael Collins went over to the UK to try and get Ireland back and they did a deal with him where they said you can have 
26 counties back, but we're going to keep these six. Oh. And that's the deal. It's that or nothing. And so he came back. I see. So he came back with that deal and a lot of Irish people were like, oh my God, that was so terrible. You should have got it all back. Some people think he did yes. the best he could. And so now um, there are a lot of people up there who want to be loyal to the Queen, who believe that they are British. And then there are people up there who believe that they are Irish. So there's been civil war. Yeah. Up, there's been war up there. But now it's it, there's peace times up there. Yes. So anyway, of course. brief history lesson, but that's what's happening. Yes, of course. Um, the the Irish... The people of Ireland may not may not count as British people, but they do have something in common with with Scottish people. What's that? They're both very passionate about their cultures and they love drinking. They love drinking. A lot of them have red hair, which is another uh, which is another commonality. We do, and they and they both seem like friendly people. Yeah, we are quite friendly. I think we're quite friendly. Um, mm. It's part of the. Cade Mila Faultia, which is an Irish phrase for uh, a thousand welcomes. Ah. <laughs> yeah, a hundred thousand welcomes, actually, nice. I think. Um, so we've got a couple of minutes left if you want us to know anything else. And then um, this episode will go out and I'm sure people will follow you and maybe we'll get you back to be our agony uncle and give us some advice. Really? If you want to. Sure, I could. Yeah, well, we can talk about I'd that. Be, I'd be happy to. So anything else you want to finish up with letting us know? Yes, I would. Go for it. Even though um even though I've never actually really quite been to Ireland or the United Kingdom, my heart always pines for Europe and the UK. And at some point in the near future, there'll always be a part of me over in that continent. You should definitely come over here when you can, and uh, yeah. if you go to if you go to London, we can I can come over and meet you, or you can come to Ireland and I can show you around. I know a very good tour guide. He was on our podcast <laughs> as well, and he could give you and a lot of uh, information. If you're actually serious about that, maybe maybe that could be arranged. I am. I'm always serious about that, Michael. Hundred percent. We can talk about. Oh. We can we can organize something if you're coming over. We can organize something off air for sure. Sure, but also, um, I this may sound a little bit personal to you, but um, I actually know that you have an aversion to to changes, yes. a lot of changes. Yeah, but but if we ever do meet in person, I can help you help you become familiar with change with certain changes and help you familiarize with them. Like how? Maybe just um. Just you know, offer you some some advice or guidance. That would be great. On how to deal with it, mm-hmm. and also show that that it may not be that bad. Because, and believe me, I'm actually I can be quite. I sometimes hate change as well, depending mm-hmm. on what it is. Yeah. Because if I. Because if I can see that I'm not going to benefit from this from this kind of change, I'm going to have a problem with it. Yeah, but I guess that but, it, that that sort of presumes that you know what the future outcome yeah. will be, but we don't always know. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What what you need is some is pe- is people to 
what you need to do is, is maybe just surround yourself with people that that are willing to show show you that there are some positive sides to change. Yeah, and people have shown me that as well. I'll look for those people. You can be one of those people for me as well, if we ever do meet in person, which I hope we do. Yeah, that um, would be an honour. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the podcast, and we'll definitely get you on again if that's something that you would like. I know that it's probably. I would, I would be interested. Yeah. Yeah. I actually enjoy. I actually enjoyed this this conversation. Yeah, I did too. Um, and I'm really glad that you came on, and it was a pleasure to meet you. You're absolutely fabulous, and um. Bye. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to know you more and and to developing our friendship. Yes, I I actually would love that. And also, Stephanie, um, it was actually lovely meeting you as well. And and if you actually want to keep in touch with me, mm-hmm. that's completely fine with me. You have my full permission. Thank you so much to be in touch with me if you wish to do so. I absolutely will message you on Instagram, and we can um, make our plans there. Thank you so much, Michael. Okay. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Talk to you Thank soon. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Thanks, Steph. Bye bye. Take care of yourself. Bye. And stay safe. You too. Ciao. Ciao. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.